0: <laughs> All right, what is up, high floor, low ceiling listeners? This is Griffin and Chris coming at you from the Raptors game. we got the Orlando Magic in town tonight. It's the third quarter. Franz Wagner at the line shooting a free throw. He makes it. Chris, how are you enjoying the game so far?
1: Uh, it's been a good game. I'm seeing a little too much ball handling out of pressure the so far. Uh, not loving the Raptors offense in general, but I feel pretty confident that they'll take this one. Franz Wagner having a terrible shooting night. Uh, I think we've got this one on lock. Yeah,
0: I'm actually on the other hand not seeing enough ball handling from Precious Achua so far. I want to see more. Uh, Chris will no doubt be listening to this back in the studio. What do you want your future self to know about this game right now?
1: Um, just don't like Scotty Barnes had a great game and really like oh. don't don't try and overlook Holy that as the Magic take the lead here. Just you know he's he's a great player. You Got to talk about that dunk. Got to talk about his jump shooting. In the high post. It's
0: really impressive to know. All right, I and mean, it wouldn't be high floor low ceiling without a little bit of real or fake. Let's just do it with a couple of Raptors on the floor right now. Chris, Fred Van Vliet only has three points. We're sitting here with five minutes left in the third quarter. Is this real or fake? Uh,
1: I'm gonna say this is real. He has looked off tonight. We saw in the game against the Pacers uh, earlier this week how you can get hot at the right time. But uh, I think this is real. I think we'll finish with some low-scoring numbers tonight.
0: And uh, Gary Trent Jr. on the other spectrum, 17 points. He's he's taken a lot of contested mid-ranges, which you haven't liked. But real or fake from Gary Trent Jr.? Uh,
1: You know, I think this is real, Griffin. Uh, You know, I'm really not a fan of Gary Trent Jr.'s shot selection, but he is. Oh, hold on. wow we're witnessing
0: history right here the raptors just sent all three of their canadians into the game at the same time truly a special moment here at the Scotiabank arena anyway chris you're talking about an american gary trent jr
1: yeah uh, i'm not a fan of his shot selection but he does live to uh to shoot those kind of shots so that's if he's making them then he's on and that's what we've seen from him tonight and we're
0: not just a toronto podcast so 12 points 13 rebounds from mo bomba last one real or fake
1: That's real. Incredible game for them. I think he's going to have a breakout year.
0: All right, that does it for us from the Scotiabank Arena. Now back to Griffin and Chris in the studio.
1: Thanks, Griffin. Wow, listen to that crowd. They sound like they're excited for another episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling. another edition of high floor low ceiling my name is chris i'm joined by the cough man himself uh you remember that remember that great meme last year with the guys dancing with the coffin oh yeah that was a fun meme i liked that meme great song you're, you're sort of something of a coffin dancer griffin porter's joining me griffin what a what a great time it was for us to get out to that Raptors game last week, huh?
0: Yeah, that was really fun. You messaged me last minute saying that you had these tickets. Uh did not give them to me for free, but that's okay. Um and yeah, we went. We had a really fantastic time. I'm glad we got to go together. Our first ever high floor low ceiling outing. Uh do you want to disclose whether or not we participated in the controversial Scotty's better chance?
1: Uh yeah, we could talk about this. I think I think we I don't think we participated per se. I think we might have. It might have come out of our mouths one or one or two times.
0: Yeah, I I remember it didn't go on for very long. But as it was happening, I had a moment of what are they saying, and we realized that they were saying Scotty's better. And then from that point, we uh, reacted. I wouldn't say we were against it.
1: No, we. uh, I think I got caught up in the moment. Yeah, I've had similar experiences like this. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was exactly, but I do have a specific memory of a time that a crowd participated in a chant, the game I was at that I found funny. And then going back, like when I got home and read responses, people were mad about it. And I think that if you're at the arena, everything's just automatically like good and funny. Like you're never going to be like offended about a chant when you are in the arena and it's happening.
0: Yeah. As long as you're not crossing any lines and yes, personal lines, uh, when you're in the arena getting caught up you're trying to influence the game as much as fans can you're trying to yeah you're just uh caught up in the mob mentality I
1: yeah. think
0: we were justified in our actions
1: yeah and I mean like you know Jalen Suggs I think he'll be okay if this is like the worst <laughs> thing he experienced and it's like it's not even saying Jalen Suggs which is like which would be funny because his name's Jalen Suggs um like, it wasn't even saying Jalen sucks. It was saying Scotty is better. <laughs> and Scotty Barnes is a very good player. So yeah. it's like it's like if if we he changed, if we changed KD's better at the line, would he be offended by that? I don't think so. No.
0: And I saw people saying, oh, well, a couple of years from now in free agency, uh, this might <laughs> impact whether or not Jalen Suggs comes to the Raptors. No, it won't. Stop it. That was the top post on the Toronto Raptors subreddit the next morning. <laughs> That's
1: crazy. That's also like, you're talking about a potential free agency happening like eight years from now. Yeah. Like, I would hope that he can get over it. Best of luck to him. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's talk about some of these takes that we made during that great record. Uh, Griffin, you were very dismayed during the game at Mo Bamba's performance. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Well, yeah, it was highly related to my uh, fantasy basketball team. I had a waiver claim for Mo Bamba that was going to process the next morning, so I was excited to get him on the team. But good God, everything Mo Bamba did the night before he started recording stats for my team, was amazing. He didn't miss a shot. He had like 10 rebounds in the first quarter. He had like four blocks. It seemed like everywhere we looked, Mo Bamba was killing the Raptors. It was quite the performance, and he hasn't done well at all since.
1: So uh, that's just my luck. Yeah, I'm just pulling up the uh, the game log here. Quite a game from Mo Bamba. 14 points, 18 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks. And uh, since then, 10 points, 8 points, 5 points couple of ten re- you know like he's he's giving you stuff hasn't had a double double
0: yeah that's what i want really is the double doubles
1: but four four blocks in one of his games you know he's doing well um i know people love to hear people talk about their fantasy teams but i'm actually interested in your thoughts on this i made a blockbuster trade yesterday in my fantasy basketball league this is a a semi-dynasty league you can call it that we have eight keepers a year uh so the trade i made i, I think this team is ready to win now, which is why I made this trade. I traded the last two number 1 picks, Cade Cunningham and Anthony Edwards for Paul George. What do you think about that move, Griffin? Oh, that's
0: an interesting move. I mean, Cade Cunningham does not really seem like a contributor this year, but Anthony Edwards definitely is. He takes a lot of shots, gets good rebounding numbers, uh so that's tough to give up, but the way Paul George has been playing so far and the fact that he's going to be the guy on the Clippers with we assume no Kawhi all year. Uh, I think that's a great trade. You might end up regretting it a couple years down the mm-hmm. road, but if you win a championship this year,
1: I think you're going to feel fine. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, I think, I think my team is pretty well set up even after making that trade. You know, some of the names on my team, Luka Doncic, John Morant, Bam Adebayo, uh, Scotty Barnes is on my team, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, he, I picked him one pick after Jalen Suggs, so that's working out mm. well for me so far. Uh, But speaking of Scotty Barnes, let's shift a little. We're we're doing a a basketball-focused episode this week. Uh, But actually, before we get to that, I just want to quickly talk about some news that just dropped this morning before we recorded. We're recording this on Thursday. Yeah, you want to talk about blockbuster trades. We've got a real-life blockbuster trade. Precisely. It might pale in comparison to my trade, but (laughs) it's a pretty big deal. Jack Eichel headed to the Las Vegas Golden Knights for a... Uh, I I would call a slightly underwhelming return, at least on paper.
0: Yeah, I feel like the Sabres did not get the package they were hoping to get. It's an underwhelming return for your franchise player, your former captain before he was stripped. Obviously, you're selling about as low as you could possibly sell on a guy. The value was awful. He still has to have surgery. He was stripped of his captaincy. He was openly fighting with the team. So you weren't going to get a ton, but only two draft picks were, one of which will be a late first-rounder because Vegas are going to be very good. Then Alex Tuck, who is a – I think the best thing about this deal for them is that he's from Syracuse, so he's an upstate New York guy, but I don't know, he's fine. And then Peyton Krebs, who is a solid young player but probably won't be a superstar in the NHL. So, yeah, in the end, I think the Sabres might – have done just about as well as they could do. But when you heard, like yesterday, there was a port that the uh, Calgary Flames were willing to offer Matthew Kachuk plus a couple draft picks and things like that. That seems to me like a much better package automatically just on the merit of getting the better player. So who knows how real that was? Who knows who leaked that? But in the end, I don't think that this was... I mean, it's if Jack Eichel can remain the player that he has been after surgery, this is... A big setback for the Buffalo Sabres as a franchise, as this whole situation has clearly been for weeks. Yeah, months. I mean,
1: yeah, really, months is uh is more like it. It's a, really a terrible situation. Like I talked, I think a, a few episodes ago, about how the longer the situation goes on. This was about Ben Simmons. That the longer the situation goes on, the less sympathy I had for Philadelphia. Well, like Buffalo is like that turned up to ten, where the longer the situation went on, the more. <laughs> I was, it's just like you lose all respect for that organization and like the way they handled it was really terrible. And they, they really put themselves in this position. Like, obviously, Eichel getting injured was not ideal, but they really were the ones that like created this fate for themselves. And so the return was subpar, I think. I mean, like, you know, getting a first rounder and a second rounder is okay, and getting a player who could potentially be a contributor is okay. But, if like you said this could potentially be a top 10 player top five player when healthy and if you're if that's the return then like you're in bad shape um you know you think i, I saw an article talking about you know when they traded the vegas traded for mark stone that was obviously an, an equally like really bad return going back uh, for stone and so i think the the knights just have a, a tendency to do this but it is still a big question mark. Obviously, Eichel he will have to have surgery. Uh, I don't know when he is expected back from when that happens, but
0: I believe it's four months is the current timetable. I think he'll probably get the surgery in the next week or so.
1: Yeah, I would imagine so. And you know, um, he's under contract for four more years after this, so it it is a risk on the part of Vegas, but it's a pretty like uh, not a not a high floor low ceiling, but a high <laughs> low low risk high reward move. Because you know, even if he's, even if he's only an all-star, then it's a great return for them. Obviously, if he has lingering health issues and you know that whole thing, then that could be a problem. But it seems like even the floor of what like a healthy Eichel looks like is probably that was like a perfectly fine trade for them. And then at, its at its worst for Buffalo, it's really bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the potential issue is that if the surgery doesn't go well, Buffalo didn't retain any salary, so you're on the hook for $10 million over the next four years. And Vegas is not a super cap uh, flexible team mm-hmm. as they're currently constructed. But you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, and I think this move puts them right up there with the Lightning and the Avalanche as potential favorites yeah. if Jack Eichel can come back after maybe the Olympic break or the All-Star break. And... Um, kick it into another gear i think vegas is going to be set up
1: very very well yeah they're they're especially their forwards like you yeah. just look really stacked after this um so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh and you know they they didn't really it's not like they were giving out players who are great contributors now so like you know they're they're really solid prospects i think but they're not getting any worse in the short term while they wait for eichel to come back is the main thing yeah Um, And of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs just uh, blew them out for nothing a couple nights ago. So, make of that what you (laughs) do. Maybe that was the uh, panic button. Mm, Precisely. If you lose to the Leafs, you know you're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, But like I said, we are going to do a bit of. We're doing a basketball focus. We we talk a lot of basketball on this show. Yeah.
0: Last week we only briefly mentioned basketball. It was one of our uh, it was one of our horror movie trios, and I think you went into withdrawal
1: yeah (laughs) and so there were there were just there's a lot of uh basketball things coming up that i want to talk about and i want to start with with the hometown team since we started off with that little uh that little foray from us at Scotiabank arena that little live report Uh, i want to talk about the toronto raptors how their season is going so far i guess 10 games in might have been a better time to do this but they are nine games in so just a quick uh quick rundown they're currently six and three they are on a five-game win streak after starting one and three. They just beat the Magic, who blew them out on the first uh, game of the season. So that's a big, uh, a big coup for them. They are technically the fourth seed, but that's mainly because they've played more games than a lot of teams. But you know, six and three is like a really solid record. Uh, they are the 13th-ranked offensive team. They are the sixth-ranked defensive team. This might you might find this interesting, Griffin. This team is the 29th in pace. Mm. which is a a very different maybe maybe we start there but uh just just looking at fourth seed in the east six and three the raptors record i want to hit you with an HFLC classic is this real or fake
0: yeah well first i just want to say i think you said they beat the magic last night they
1: beat the The wizards Wizards last night
0: wizards make magic i can see why you got confused precisely uh but yes um it's a good question real or fake the like, the fact that they're doing this without their best player in Pascal Siakam, the fact that they're doing this while being 29th in pace, which to me, given that they're a team without a great half-court offensive creator, aside from maybe Fred Van Vliet or Ojan and Obi, so maybe they do have great offensive creators, but 29th in pace, if you told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have assumed that led to a terrible start to the season. Uh, so I guess, given that they're doing well even with these things not in their favor, I guess you got to call it maybe real. You know what? No hedging. Raptors are real Mm -hmm. playoff team.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no hedging here. Yeah, I mean the thing is, it might be a stretch to say that they're the fourth best team in the East. Well, maybe maybe they're in that mix with Siakam back. We can talk about that in a second. Um, The big thing for me is the the record in close games has been uh, it's been night and day. Uh, I don't have the number right in front of me, but. Last year, the Raptors had a terrible record in close games, like, you know, five-point games, things like that. And then you look at this year, they they had the, the three-point loss to the Bulls, but then they had the one-point win over Orlando at the game that we attended, the three-point win over Indiana. You know, the games, their last two wins against the Knicks and the Wizards, those were both games that, even though the final score ended up being nine points, they were games that went down to the wire. So I think that they've shown an ability, you know, and... Maybe it's luck, maybe it's ability, but being able to close close games is like is truly worth like a ten win swing when you compare them to the Raptors from last year.
0: Yeah, and of course the Raptors from last year lacked that late game closer. We know Pascal had the bad luck on several buzzer beaters over mm-hmm. the course of the year. But I mean this year, yeah, they've got Fred Van Vliet who's sort of taken over that role as that late Closer, I mean, in our cold open, there we we were uh worried that Fred only had three points halfway through the third quarter. I think he finished that game with like 23 points or something. He really turned it on in the fourth. Uh, so Fred Van Vliet's emergence, <laughs> I'm surprised that Fred has been able to continue to step up his game even without Kyle. It seemed like that would be a recipe for Fred as defense is focused on him more, he had to take more of the responsibility maybe to take a bit of a step back, but instead he's taken a step forward and I'm pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, and even early in the season, we saw him struggle quite a bit with his shot. We saw him struggle to create offense for himself. Uh, and it really seems like every game he has gotten better in that regard as he sort of figures out the shots that he can make. Like he talked last night after that win against the Wizards, he said, because you know, it was the second time they played the Wizards this season, so he said he knew that that mid-range game would be open for him. And I think that's a really key component, obviously, of Van Vliet's game is his high basketball IQ. So I think like having that ability to sort of feel things out on the court and realize what he can do in terms of like how he's going to be played is really big for him. And I think a big thing that will affect that ability to get things open is Scotty Barnes. Griffin, we talked on, I believe, the very first episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling about Scotty Barnes. I believe we said something like eight points, five rebounds, two assists, something like that would be a good a good result for him this season.
0: Yeah, that w- I think uh, I think we've been pleasantly shown up.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that's even an understatement so far. You know, he's he's missed the last two games, which have both been wins, which is another great sign for the Raptors. But nineteen points, nine rebounds, two assists, he has been truly a revelation. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say he has been, you know, the best, if not, you know, one of the three best rookies in the league this year. Um, the big development, his jumper is much smoother than expected. Still not really a three-point shooter. Uh, he's two for nine on the season, but I think, I think the jump shot is really the biggest thing because like his, uh, I, I think I mentioned it in that little live hit we did, his jump shooting in the high post and the mid-range has been really really impressive
0: yeah he's been so confident in just rising up and taking those little elbow jumpers and they are going in he looks good uh yeah I can't think of anything more you would want from Scotty Barnes I've liked the defense a lot uh he hasn't been putting up the assist numbers that maybe we thought he would but those will come I think especially once Pascal comes back and this team gets to running a bit more so, yeah, nothing but positives for Scotty Barnes. I think yeah, if you were choosing your 10% of the season awards, he he's the rookie of the year for sure.
1: Yeah, shout out to Kelsey O'Brien. Nothing but positives over Raptors Republic. Uh yeah, I think the the playmaking and the defense are the two biggest question marks for him right now. Uh you said you were you were happy with what you've seen on defense. I think he still is not quite there yet. That's a very classic rookie thing that a pl- like that, they won't come in and be contributors on defense right away. I did expect him to be better than what I've seen from him so far. But, you know, we're still seeing situations where he's coming in and checking the team's best guard in a late game situation as a rookie, which is crazy. He has had some trouble. I think the Raptors in general have had some trouble with containing dribble penetration. Um, and maybe that's something that comes with time. But I, I do can still consider the defense a question mark so far. And obviously the assist numbers only only two assists, which you know at the time we said that would be a solid result for him. But something that got mentioned uh, by someone else, I can't remember who, but the the idea that once teams start playing him for his jumper and for his scoring a little more, then maybe that's when the playmaking starts to open up.
0: Yeah, for sure, and you wanted to get into some of the other raptors as well particularly the defense of Gary Trent Jr.
1: Yeah, the Trental patient um he has pretty much put up the same offensive numbers that he put up last year after coming to the Raptors but he's averaging almost 3 steals a game and like I I I never I never thought <laughs> that we would see the day where Gary Trent Jr is like one of the best perimeter defenders on the Raptors.
0: Yeah, no, it really is Crazy. You were talking at the start of this segment about how good the Raptors defense has been, and we expected that just because of guys like OG and Scotty and uh Chris Boucher and Ken Birch are good defenders. Pascal when he comes back, he'll be a good defender. But Gary Trent Jr.'s been out there leading the charge. He just he gets those uh gets those mitts on basketballs.
1: Yeah. And I mean like (laughs) I mean it's 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 really fascinating. And I mean, another person that I didn't even have them written down here, but Svima Hylick has really impressed me with his defense. Oh, you know, I love Svi.
0: I'm full on the Svi squad. He's been one of my favorite players this year. Yeah,
1: he made the start uh, for them against the Wizards and had a really solid game. I I really, I was not expecting him to be much more than like a fringe bench contributor. So I'm really impressed with what we've seen so far. Uh, we'll have to see how that continues. But really quick, since we've sort of touched on a lot of the big names, uh, OG Ananobi, I think he's been a little up and down. He has been asked to create his shot a lot more than he did obviously in any other any other year that he has played for the Raptors. I think he has shown maybe he has shown the skill, but not necessarily the results yet.
0: Yeah, I mean I like the approach that we've seen from OG and this year. He's been confident. He's been taking guys off the dribble. He's been shooting uh pull-up jumpers. It's something that we didn't see from him before To be honest, he kind of looks like he's trying to be Kawhi Leonard. Like, that's who he reminds me Mm -hmm. of when I watch him on offense. He doesn't make all the shots that Kawhi makes, but that's the style that I think he's going for. And even if the results aren't always there, they will be. And, like, that's how you get them to be there is in this season where the Raptors, at least in my opinion, don't really have the highest expectations. This is a great season to try that out. So, um, yeah, I like what I'm seeing from OG. It'll come. It'll fall. And if not, he'll always be an elite defender.
1: Yeah, I think especially with Siakam off the court, that's like the best time for you to be trying to become more of an offense creator. I, yeah. I think the Kawhi Leonard comparison is really apt. Um, you know, he's not he's not the most athletic player, at least in terms of quickness. He's a, <laughs> obviously an incredibly strong player, much like Kawhi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that that's sort of not the most amazing handle, but sort of getting to his spots, shooting turnaround jumpers, shooting pull up mid range jumpers, things like that. And, you know, I think that, like you said, the biggest thing is just that he's trying it right. Like he started the season going three for 17 against the Wizards. It was a terrible shooting performance for him. But I liked what I saw from him in that performance. And I think the idea like that OGN and OB could have uh, could miss 14 shots in a game is weirdly promising in that regard. And we've sort of seen that borne out. He's taken at least 15 shots in all but one game this year, uh, this season. Obviously, he had the huge game against the Knicks, the career high at 36 points on 13 of 27 shots. I think that is like, that's the blueprint you want. And if he turns into more of an offensive creator and maybe a guy who you can like give him the ball and say, go to work, then that is like a huge, huge boon for the Raptors, especially when Siakam comes back. Absolutely. Yeah. And
0: yeah, speaking of Pascal Siakam, Mm -hmm. uh, getting closer to his return do you do you have any concerns about like the Raptors have looked good so far. Obviously Pascal Siakam's a great player. Adding him in you're going to get better, but do you have any concerns about trying to refine 15 shots a game for Pascal and all that? Like how different do you think the Raptors are going to look and how long do you think it's going to take them to adjust once they get their All-Star back?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest question mark for them is the rotation and how you sort of especially like in the starting lineup because you do have really three starting caliber forwards right now with OG, Scotty Barnes, and Siakam coming back, obviously. Um, Obviously, I I alluded to it in our live hit, but I'm not super sold on Precious Achua. I think the last few games, Kem Birch has outplayed him.
0: Oh, Kem Birch has looked really good. I've been really happy with Kem Birch.
1: Yeah, especially the last, you know, three or four games. I think he has been really solid, shown some good defense. Um, So it will be a tough situation. I think... I'm not, I'm not quite sure how they handle that. I think maybe the most likely situation is that Barnes ends up going to the bench and, you know, they just give him a ton of run off the bench. Um, but may- maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they try and play him. They closed um, the game against, I believe it was the second game against Indiana this season. I tweeted about it, so let me pull up my tweet here. But they closed with a lineup that was something like Van Vliet, Barnes, Ananobi... Sorry, let me just get the right thing. Oh yeah. Bane Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., Delano Banton, Scotty Barnes, and OG was the lineup they used to close the game against Indiana. And like I think that is like indicative of the versatility of the lineup and the way that they can play.
0: Well, yeah, that's what we've been saying all year is that the Raptors are this sort of new wave of six foot nine switchability. Versatile wings like this future of positionless basketball, and I think if you look at that lineup, it's pretty easy to say, with all due respect, that Pascal's going to take Delano Banton's spot. But uh, yeah, I I think that once Pascal comes in, I do expect there's going to be a bit of a learning curve as the Raptors sort of refigure out their offense and get Pascal back up to speed. Uh, I hope to hell they still play well, or else fans are going to be all over Pascal as the problem. I mean, who knows if the Raptors are still this good by the time Pascal does come back? Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to see what this team can look like once he gets back. I think they'll run a lot more. Obviously, that's Pascal at his best when he's using that amazing speed. Uh, So, yeah, and just, yeah, get everyone out there. OG, Fred, Scotty, Pascal, and uh, Gary Trent, I think, are a great five-man lineup. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's their starting five. Or if you want to go a little bigger, you can get Kem Birch in there instead of Gary Trent.
1: Yeah, I think they I think they will want a traditional center in the lineup still um, just because like there are, you know, some pros to that. Obviously, you know, Kembers is obviously a little undersized, but he does play more like a traditional center. Rebounding has been a problem at times for them. So I think that they do do that. And whether that means Barnes going to the bench or Trent going to the bench is probably the biggest question. Um, but yeah, the idea of a a fast break with, you know, Van Vliet, Siakam, Barnes and Banton is like mm. a very scary thought. I almost wish the court was longer. I feel like they they'll run out of room to do some fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. So this team definitely has some track stars. And like, even if, you know, maybe I think maybe the slow pace partly comes from their defense and the way that they have you know been able to shut down teams and sort of drag out possessions and just stop them from getting a good look um they've they've at times been aggressive on defense at times it's burned them for sure like guys like Trent and Barnes and Banton going for steals i think has is part of what has created the problem with the dribble penetration but also like i think that their sort of lockdown defense has contributed to the pace somewhat and you know we've we've already seen they've they've run some great fast breaks this season oh yeah Um, so, you know, let's just, just looking ahead a little, if they are a top, let's say a top five seed, you know, like in the mix in the Eastern conference in the middle of the season, would you like to see them possibly make a move to get, get, I don't know who they would get. I don't know what you might want to see them acquire in terms of a mid season acquisition, but is that a move that you think you'd like to see them make?
0: Uh, I'd have to say no. I think even if the Raptors are still playing this well and in the top five, uh, you're not on the Brooklyn-Milwaukee level in the Eastern Conference. Maybe you're not even on the Miami level. We'll get to the heat in a few minutes here. But I don't think that the Raptors this year will be in a position where they will be one player away from a deep playoff run. Maybe they could make the second round. But I don't think it would be worth sacrificing. I mean, you're just looking up and down this roster to get a... uh, to get a good player in, you'd have to give away. There's so many exciting young pieces here that I want. I want to keep them all. I want to be greedy. I want to see what this gro- team can grow into together.
1: Yeah, I I think I agree with you. the The big man rotation is still a real point of concern for me. Like, I don't think that Achua or Birch or Boucher are really the answer in terms of you know a starting caliber center. But I agree with you. It's it's probably not worth making a move now. It's probably something that you can hold off on and reassess and just see where the team ends up uh, at the end of this season.
0: Yeah. Agreed. And if two years from now you have to make another Kawhi trade to get over the hump, those will always be out there.
1: Yeah. It's a, it a, like, you know, Masai is, he's a master of finding the opportunity. Right. And so I think that being, I think this is exactly the situation they want to be in where they're a solid playoff team. They have tons of room for improvement internally from their players. And then they have tons of pieces that, could potentially go into a trade for a superstar if that trade were to arise yeah do you think masai would have traded for jack eichel um i think he would have he would have given up mitch marner much sort of mitch marner is mitch marner the- <laughs> that's the parallel is mitch <laughs> In, marner the demar that's exactly that's a that's a real toronto sports radio question for you right there
0: yeah. apologize to the eight percent of our listeners who are not canadian uh shout out to you we appreciate you we love you but uh, we did have to get a little hometown talk in. But we'll, uh, I think we'll take a break here, Chris. And when we come back, we'll get a little international
1: with our basketball talk. Absolutely. And wh- why don't you uh, send us to break, Griffin?
0: Well, thank you all for listening to that first segment. I don't know. You always do this. Uh, That's
1: why I want to challenge you.
0: Keep, keep those earphones in. Don't pause. Don't put on another podcast. We will be right back. I promise. With, with what? T- with high floor, low ceiling. And a welcome back to another segment here <laughs> on High Floor, Low Ceiling.
1: We kind of default to the southern accent. I feel like.
0: Yeah. Well, do you want me to try another one? No, I loved it. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, that was also that kind was, of a southern accent. That
1: was also Goofy. Welcome,
0: welcome back,
1: Max. Did you? Are you a fan of uh, a Goofy
0: movie? Uh, I can't say that it's in my rotation of Disney classics. I, ha- I have heard that it's an underrated gem, but I haven't seen it in a long time.
1: Yeah, really solid. Uh, I call them Modi picks. What do you think about that? I don't know what that means. Short for motion picture. Oh, I hate that. I okay. got to be honest with you. Okay, I understand.
0: It doesn't sound like motion or picture. Modi pick. I thought you were talking, like, I thought Modi had a D. Well,
1: pick is short for picture. Come on.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, not intuitively.
1: <laughs> Um, I also thought you sounded like, uh, do you remember, were you a Magic School Bus fan? Oh, yeah. I loved Magic School Bus. You sounded like the girl in the segment, you know, you know, when everyone's calling in, you sounded like the girl who goes, Magic School Bus. I'll take that with a, uh, as a compliment. Take it with a grain of pepper, uh, whatever that means. But, of course, we are back with High Floor, Low Ceiling. We are talking basketball this week, quite a bit of basketball, and we will, don't worry, we will take a break from the basketball next episode. We have some things on tap. Yeah, look at us planning ahead. I know. It was truly shocking for you, and I was like, oh, I know what we could do next week. (laughs) Usually we plan this show once we get to the studio. Yeah, usually it's around 11 p.m. the night before that uh, we start throwing out ideas. Uh, but today, this is actually a segment that's been perkling for a little bit. I want us to talk about, I'm calling this NBA Mulligans, a name which has seemingly baffled you at every turn, Griffin.
0: Well, I just, it's not like we are the ones playing. So what do we need a mulligan on? I, I, get, what you're, I get what you're going for, but I just, I like to be sure that I have, that I'm preparing for the right segment.
1: Yes, we are the golfers of the NBA prognostication world. And we are talking about some mulligans that... So basically, we're about 10 games into the season. 8 to 10 games uh, teams have played. I guess no team has played 10 games, but whatever. We're basically 10 games into the season. And I wanted us to talk about some of our takes uh, that we made sort of prior to the season. And whether we want to take a mulligan on those takes or if we want to possibly stand by them. So I thought we would start with a couple of teams that have been doing well and maybe have exceeded our expectations. And let's start with uh, the Miami Heat. Yeah, best team in the NBA, the Miami Heat. Well, tied for
0: the best record with the Warriors and the Jazz. But yeah, big show. Jimmy Butler's been playing like an MVP. I think he is the main reason for their success. Uh, Kyle Lowry maybe hasn't been putting up the counting stats that he sometimes does, but I think as to... Toronto Raptors fans, we know that Kyle Lowry does not have to put up counting stats to impact winning basketball. Everything he does is winning basketball. Uh, I have loved what I've seen from the Miami Heat so far. I'll have to admit, at the start of the year I felt like they were n- not on that Brooklyn, Miami, Philadelphia level, but or er, sorry, Brooklyn Milwaukee Philadelphia level. But so far they have absolutely proven me wrong. I'm a believer in Miami Heat. I'm taking them all again, and I would like to Give a new prediction that Miami could definitely make the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe the NBA Finals.
1: Yeah, I think that's. I mean, it, but from what we've seen so far, that's absolutely a possibility. Uh, one name you didn't mention, Tyler Hero. Oh that's yes, an absolutely incredible off the bench. Twenty two points, six rebounds, four and a half assists. Like, if he kept that up, he would absolutely be an All Star. But you know, like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he keeps that up. Yeah, and again, all of this is we'll see, but. If you have three 20-point scorers on a team and you're also one of the best defensive teams in the league, that's very hard to, to deal with. They are the second-best uh, offensive team in the league. They're the second-best defensive team. Their net rating, Griffin, is plus 16.6 points per 100 possessions. Just an absolutely disgusting line. Uh, I'm just taking a quick look at their sk- you know, And they they have some really legitimate wins. They obviously destroyed Milwaukee on opening night. They have a great win against the Nets. They have a huge blowout win against the Grizzlies. Uh, they beat the Mavericks pretty handily on Tuesday. Like This is not a cupcake schedule by any stretch of the imagination.
0: No, not at all, and that's part of the reason that uh, I believe in the Miami Heat. Obviously, there's a lot of season left to go. NBA teams can fluctuate a lot over the course of the year, but, I mean, Miami, We it's not like we expected them to be a lottery team coming into the year, so I fully believe that this is a real step that they've made
1: yeah no I I did I I will say I expected them to underperform the regular season and maybe take a leap forward in the playoffs but I think this is a team you know with Philly kind of still a question mark with Brooklyn still a bit of a question mark I don't really see a team right now that you can reasonably say is even like on their level and obviously in Milwaukee they're 500 right now I'm interested in what they bring in the next you know 10 20 games or so but right now they're looking like far and away the, uh, the team to beat in the East. Uh, but let's talk about one other team in the Eastern Conference, which is the Chicago Bulls, uh, a team that I think I and other people had pegged around 500, currently 6-2. and two. Uh, Griffin, what ha- have you, I assume you like what you've seen from the Bulls so far this season.
0: I mean, yeah, it's been great. Uh, Michael Jordan lives in DeMar DeRozan, I think. The, uh, the mid-range is back in Chicago. I mean, but seriously, DeMar DeRozan has been playing Mm -hmm. fantastic. He's averaging 27 points a game. Uh, DeMar has been a hot starter in the past and then comes down a bit, but full credit to them. Uh, They have been looking really, really good. Lonzo Ball, I like what I've seen from him. He's obviously a good player. So, yeah, I think the Bulls maybe aren't this good, and I think as DeMar sort of comes back to earth a little bit, the Bulls will with him. Uh, but yeah, definitely doing better than I thought with, I thought that the Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic trio would have a tough time playing together. But so far they look like they're handling it pretty well.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I'm quite ready to take the mulligan on this one. Um, they they are currently the fifth best defense in the league, which is very surprising, especially since we didn't even talk about that uh, they lost Patrick Williams for the year. Yeah. who was uh, Who was expected to be a starter for them. And so that's obviously a huge loss for them. Uh they've you know, they've started usually Javante Green in his place, which is obviously you would think a step down. But yeah, I think I think there are definitely some sustainability questions here. Levine and DeRozan both averaging, you know, over twenty five points a game on good efficiency, it maybe will not last the whole season. But I think the big thing is the defense. Like you would not expect a team with Nikola Vucevic as the no. center to be a top five defense. And I think uh there was one game, I'm trying to recall, uh, let me just pull it up here, but uh, we have seen them possibly be exploited at points uh, with by Vucevic. Um, I, it was the Celtics, actually, that I was watching that game, and really, they just put Vucevic in every action. They forced him to you know try and make switches and defend it away from the rim, and that was just a terrible situation they were in. And obviously, they ended up winning that game, but that was a game that the Celtics led until they... Went ice cold in the fourth quarter, so I think that there are there is a blueprint for sure to beating this team at least for on the defensive end for the Bulls that is yeah, um but I you know their offense it's hard it's hard to dispute that their offense is probably going to continue to be quite good maybe not this good uh, I think Lonzo Ball has been an issue but I think that having two guys that are amazing at creating for themselves sort of negates some of that need for a true point guard. Yeah,
0: it was a bit of an odd fit when they brought him in, but I do think that he's still playing his good defense. He's still pulling down rebounds. Uh, he's playing the oversized point guard role well, and obviously he's only putting up four and a half assists a game. Um, but, yeah, with guys like Demar and Levine, they're not big. They're not players who receive a lot of assists. They tend to take their time and work through it themselves. So. I think that Levine, the counting stats may not be there in the way that we've seen in other seasons, but I still think he's a good player who's helping the Bulls win games more than not.
1: Yeah, and Vucevic really has not really put up much in the way of numbers. He's averaging 14 and 11. He's under 40% from the field. He's under 30% from three. So there is reason to say that they could potentially be even better than what they've shown offense. So even if the, the defense does take a step back, I think they can still be solid, but I'm still a wait and see on them. Um, but let's move on to another team in the Eastern Conference, one which has disappointed so far, and that is the aforementioned Boston Celtics.
0: I'm curious, are you surprised by this? The Boston Celtics, three and five.
1: I am quite surprised. I was he- that this was my this was one of my big, along with a team we'll talk about in a little bit, the Indiana Pacers. These were my two. Like everyone is undervaluing these teams. These are really solid teams. my sort of take on the Celtics at the start of the season was you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and that alone should be enough to get you to 50 wins. And again, we're obviously saying like nothing is impossible at this point. We're still very early in the season, but they're a bottom 10 defense. They're nearly a bottom 10 or sorry, a bottom 10 offense, nearly a bottom 10 defense. Um, But I think the biggest problem for them is their bench. They, you look at their roster, and they just do not have the guys. Like, you have obviously the starting lineup. They've sort of tried a couple of different lineups, but it's Tatum, Brown, Smart, and Robert Williams of the constants. And then they've they tried Horford for a while. Horford has been hurt. They've brought Dennis Schroder into the starting lineup. They've started Grant Williams at points, but beyond those seven guys and I don't even think you can really count Grant Williams or even Al Horford in that mix as like solid players you're looking at Josh Richardson who had a terrible year in Dallas and has seemingly continued that uh, onto the Celtics Peyton Pritchard is obviously you know an okay role player maybe over uh his reach exceeded I don't know I don't know what the metaphor is here but he played better than he probably had any right to last year for the Celtics But I think the big problem for them is that they whiffed on two consecutive lottery picks. In 2019 and 2020, Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith are not good players.
0: Yeah, no, but the Celtics are interesting. Like, if you look at the box score, it seems like they should be doing better than they are. Like, Al Horford, I think, they've gotten good minutes from him. He's Mm -hmm. got 14 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, four assists, and three blocks a game. Like, that's a good player. But, yeah, like you said, the problem is on defense. They have not looked good there. Um, And I know that guys like Jason Tatum and Dennis Schroeder are not great defenders, and so that was going to show. But we think a team with Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Robert Williams and Al Horford would be solid enough to do well on defense. So it's been surprising. I think the Celtics are still going to be fine. They're not... I don't think they'll have home court in the first round, but I do think that they'll be a playoff team.
1: Yeah i I certainly would hope so. Like I said, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together like you assume that should be enough. Like two young All Star level players who should who like you know it's not like LeBron James and Anthony Davis where you're expecting them both to miss twenty games. Like these are guys who you can pretty much count on to play every night. That should be enough to get you to. You know 45 to 50 wins i think still like i believe that but they've been very up and down to start the season uh really quickly i just want to talk about this 2020 draft um because i think that that has been the biggest problem for the celtics is their inability after they got brown and tatum to develop players from within um and you know so just a quick look at the 2020 draft they picked aaron neesmith with the 14th overall pick the subsequent players picked were Cole Anthony, Isaiah Stewart, Alexei Pokushevsky, Josh Green, Sadiq Bay, Precious Chua, Tyrese Maxey. Is there are there two players you would rather have? You would rather have Aaron Niesmith instead of in that. I mean, obviously Josh Green has not done a ton, but
0: yeah, no, that was a swing and a miss. I think uh, Aaron Niesmith. I didn't hate the pick at the time, but yeah, like you said, it has just
1: not panned out. Yeah, and is, I don't know, like, is this a problem with, did they did they get too good too fast, do you think? Is that their problem, that they had the Kyrie situation obviously sort of threw them off track? They did go to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2020, um, you know, they uh, excluding last year when they really went out in embarrassing fashion. They've won a playoff series every year going back to, I guess, 2017 now. They've been to the conference finals, I think, three times in the last five years. So they have shown things, but now it seems like their their Danny Ainge storehouse is kind of depleted here.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it came up pretty big with Jason Tatum and mm-hmm. Jalen Brown. But yeah, now they're sort of stuck in this no man's land that we see teams get stuck in all the time where they're not really a championship contender, but they're good. And so you wonder, it sort of reminds me of the Raptors before the Kawhi Leonard trade, are they, which way do you go from here? Do you, Are you content to just ride it out for a few years, hope maybe that another team gets in an injuries and you can just break off a good playoff run?
1: Yeah, Do you so let's say that they're a 500 team at the deadline. Do you think that there's a move to be made for them to get better? I mean, like, I, I was on the train even, like, last year that they should – trade Jalen Brown because I think he's super high value and I think that there is a bit of a, a, a skill duplication because you know they have two amazing guys who are like two-way wings who can create for themselves maybe aren't like the most amazing playmakers yeah they're very similar players yeah and the, but then you're really miss like they their point guard rotation is awful like Schroeder and you know Josh Richardson you could call point guard Peyton Pritchard like
0: Kemba before them
1: yeah and I, I think that trade looks so bad in retrospect they gave up a, a near lottery pick just to swap Kemba for Al Horford and now Kemba is balling on the Knicks obviously you know that trade maybe looked like it needed to happen at the time or you know they needed to move on for Ke- from Kemba in some way but to give up and that trade that player or the pick rather ended up being and Shengun so that was it was like a value pick that they gave up
0: yeah, that's a rough one looking back. But at the time, I think everyone knew that Kemba's time in Boston was over. But, yeah, obviously it's tough to say who's going to be available now if, I mean, <laughs> the name that comes to mind is Damian Lillard. If you're dealing out someone of Jalen Brown's caliber, maybe there could be a package there. But it's tough It's tough to say with the Celtics. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see if they are happy once they do sort of start playing up to their potential and mm-hmm. move up into that six or seven seed range, it'll be interesting to see if they're satisfied there. We've got Marcus Smart criticizing his teammates. Mm-hmm. Something to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I, I I think I don't know if I'm ready to take the mulligan here yet. I like even though I've spent all this time criticizing them, I still do in my heart feel that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum should be a 45 a 45 win team at worst like is that is that reasonable
0: yeah i think that's absolutely reasonable and you want to keep it in the atlantic division for this next one uh another team that I don't know, would you call five and three underperforming for the Brooklyn Nets?
1: Yeah, I, I had them as a potential mulligan. It maybe looks more less or less like a mulligan now that they're in a decent spot. Yeah, they, they beat an,
0: Atlanta pretty convincingly last night.
1: Yeah, that was a nice win for them. And you know, obviously Durant has had a, a great season. The big question mark, of course, is Harden, who has struggled for sure, uh, especially in the scoring department. You know, he's still averaging eighteen points and nine seven rebounds and nine assists. Like I can't. I don't think you can really say he's having a bad year, but certainly a down year for him. Um, you have to wonder whether you know he's 32 now, and you have to wonder if this is like maybe this is the new normal for Harden that he's under 20 points a game. He's still giving you tons of assists. He's still a great playmaker. I I, I think the free throws will come back, but yeah, I I'm not. I don't think they're a really a mulligan team. Like, they're about where we thought, maybe a little worse. Like, this is a team where that we said in the preseason, even without Kyrie Irving, this should be a number one seed.
0: Yeah, no, and I think James Harden will be fine. Sometimes he starts a little slow. I've been very impressed ever since he got to Brooklyn by his assist numbers and his commitment to playing sort of that point guard role. Um, and obviously, he's averaging nine assists a game this year. But yeah, Brooklyn's going to be... Fine, like they're five and three right now. They're one game away from being six and two and not even being in this conversation. Yeah. So I have no no Mulligans with the Brooklyn Nets. Still the best team in the Eastern Conference, maybe the best team in the NBA.
1: Yeah, a top ten defense I think really bodes well for them because they're the twentieth ranked offense right now, and that's, that's not going to last exactly. And so if they can, if they're you know the eleventh best offense and the eighth best defense, suddenly that's a borderline contender. So I think they're in good shape. But let's talk about one more team. A disappointment for sure i think so far not the worst record they're currently actually the three seed funnily enough yeah. but five and three they just had a one point win over the san antonio spurs this is the dallas mavericks who at times have just really they their their record is five and three but they're in in trouble i would say they are the 27th ranked offense in the league, which should just never happen when you have Luka Doncic.
0: Yeah. Well, poor Luka leads the Mavericks in points, in rebounds, in assists. So he's leading them in all three major categories while not even being in the top five on the team in field goal percentage. So Luke has been taking a lot of shots and he's basically had to fulfill the role of their entire offensive attack so far playing almost 35 minutes a game, uh, Basically get Lucas some help, please. That's <laughs> that's been the conversation with the Mavericks ever since Luka Doncic joined the NBA. And now I think it's being illustrated more than ever.
1: Yeah, and I mean he hasn't had the most like incredible blazing hot start to the season. He's at twenty four points a game, eight rebounds, seven assists, four turnovers. He has not shot the ball well. He's under a five hundred true shooting percentage, which is really like kind of the Mendoza line of <laughs> shooting efficiency yeah but I
0: think for a player like him he (laughs) has to carry the entire team's offense on his back that's not gonna create a lot of high percentage looks uh, when defenses can focus in on him so intensely and he's he's got to be the one to take any sort of important shot so I think his shooting percentage is gonna suffer just from being the only good player on his team
1: yeah I think I think really we just need to see more from the role players like they have three starters it, Porzingis has missed some time but if you include him that are shooting under 40 percent from the field Dorian Finney-Smith is shooting 33 percent from the field and 20 percent from three he's been terrible Tim Hardaway Jr. is taken a step back he's under 40 percent uh, Porzingis has been terrible I think a lot of people were expecting or hoping for a bounce back season for him and he's been terrible like I is this <laughs> is this a situation where they are just sort of, you know, slow coming out of the gate, or is this like a Jason Kidd thing potentially?
0: No, this seems like what the Mavericks are. I think I mean Chris Depps Prezingus, the days of him being a good NBA player, I think at this point you can say they're done. I don't know why they're done. Obviously injuries have been a problem. He is seven foot three, that's tough on the knees. But he's scoring he's shooting thirty percent from the field, he's shooting twenty three percent from three, uh not even averaging like more than six rebounds a game, only 13 points. Kristaps Porzingis, they brought him in to be an all-star sidekick. He is a negative impact on the court, I would say.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to put it. Uh, but those are some NBA mulligans. I think, so are, are you ready to take the mulligan on Dallas? Like,
0: I mean, it's tough. You're looking at the standings. They're the third seed in the and West. And if, I know. But it's just... Cube, they've shown no ability to get any sort of reliable players alongside Luka Doncic. Yeah, and he can't keep this up forever. He's only one man, so uh, we're not witnessing LeBron in Cleveland here. All due respect to Luka, I do think they will drop. So I'll take the mulligan on the Mavs and maybe drop them down to a uh, more of a lower end playoff team in the Western Conference.
1: I think I think that would be I think they'd be happy with that. Really, if they were a top six seed. Uh, they would be happy with that situation. But let's move on. We have one more topic today. We're going to shift from the NBA to the WNBA and talk about a topic that has come up yet again. This feels like the fifth time in 12 months that this has come up. But Drizzy Drake himself has said that he wants a, a WNBA team in Toronto. There was a great uh, photo on ESPN that they used for this story of drake in a skylar diggins jersey that really entertained me um but yeah so obviously he also
0: posted did you see he posted with liz uh cambridge and called her the face of the franchise so he's got his first player in mind
1: wow so yeah this is obviously a big thing that has come up quite a few times uh obviously the wnba is in a situation where they are trending upwards in a big way um i don't know if Griffin, you caught a ton of the WNBA finals, but that was a fantastic series. Oh yeah.
0: I, I caught as much of it as I could. It was a great series.
1: Yeah. And so I, I the time does feel right and I think that is why it has been in the air so much. Yeah, it
0: does seem insane that Toronto does not have one of the biggest and best NBA fan bases, mm-hmm. a basketball city for sure. A very uh I mean a very progressive city mm-hmm. and tolerant Multicultural, diverse. diverse city. It's it's ridiculous that there isn't a WNBA team uh, here. I'm all for it. I would love to go.
1: Yeah, I I would. You know, you I can. Would,
0: you got two ticket buyers right here. If you were if you were two away, WNBA Toronto, uh, you've got your two here. So now bring them in.
1: Yeah, that would be so fun. <laughs> Truly. Oh, it, it uh, would be a
0: great atmosphere there. Toronto would absolutely fall in love with the WNBA.
1: Yeah, uh, but we. You know, I think everyone in the world, pretty much except maybe the WNBA, is in agreement that uh, a a franchise in Toronto would be great. But the thing that we are tackling today, because, you know, it's our job to help out the WNBA for sure, uh, is we are going to pitch team names for the WNBA team. And it's a, it feels like it gets harder every year to pick a franchise, sports franchise team name.
0: You're saying the PC police are ruining <laughs> all your favorite... Is that a Chris Housenjan direct quote?
1: Yes. Uh, I hate <laughs> PC culture. They're really messing things up. But I think it is, like, you know, in all seriousness, it is a thorny subject. Like, it feels like naming a franchise after, you know, historical things is becoming an increasingly... Yeah, no, that's just something Unattractive, unattractive proposition. <laughs> Don't name anything after people. Yes. Honestly. That's, those are, you don't two, know people. Um, that's the two big things I have here is it feels ill-advised to name a team after, you know, anything to do with a specific person or uh, something that a person did or really a historical event because, you know, obviously Toronto, very closely associated with, like, indigenous land, uh, you know, land acknowledgements have become an increasingly uh, big topic of discussion in the last couple of years. Obviously, you, uh, you know... On the one hand, I was like, should the name have indigenous ties to it? But I was like, is that a good idea? No. I, I think because in
0: general, don't steer far clear of anything to do with history. The lens of history always changes. And I think in general, it's just best to uh, keep it generic, keep it general. There are lots of good names out there that aren't related to specific uh, players. And if you look at or er, specific people, pardon me. If you look at the uh, WNBA in general, they're pretty good at that. Yeah, I mean their their team names, wow, great, and uh, are very general. Like the Sky, the Mercury, the Sparks, the Storm, the Aces, the Liberty, the Dream, the Sun, the Lynx, the Fever, the Mystics, and the Wings. That's the entire league right they there. Have a
1: lot of uh, a lot of non-s. Wings.
0: Yeah, a lot of like concepts. Yeah, a lot of non-tangible things, and I think that is the way to go. Uh, especially for the most progressive sports league in the world in the WNBA.
1: Yeah, so so with that in mind, Griffin, do you do you have do you have a list of names? Do you have one name? Do you what's your, what's your pitch here?
0: I mean, the obvious name, this is actually not exactly following what I just said, but the obvious <laughs> name for any Toronto basketball team. I can't believe the Raptors aren't called this. Is the Toronto Towers. The most recognizable landmark in the city of Toronto is the CN Tower basketball players are tall you've got the t o t o alliteration toronto towers to me seems like the obvious choice for any basketball team in toronto or any team in toronto but it works best with basketball players because as i said tall <laughs>
1: tall yeah uh yeah that is definitely something that has come up before um i did i saw the toronto huskies name get brought up recently uh the great justine jones uh did a bit of a feature on this that where the toronto huskies name was mentioned you did not seem super sold on that idea just because it does have ties back to men's basketball, which yeah, I, know, even though it's part of Toronto basketball heritage, it is maybe a little bit of a of a, a questionable choice. Yeah,
0: just personally I want the WNBA to stand on its own. Like Huskies is a great name. I would certainly cheer for the Huskies. Like that wouldn't get me against the team or anything. But I just think that it's better we're better served to leave men's basketball as its own thing like I don't want the WNBA team to feel like a minor league franchise of the Raptors I want it to feel like its own team and I think that choosing a name that's rooted in men's basketball history just sort of establishes it as the subset of men's basketball which personally is not what I view the WNBA
1: as yeah exactly I did think about possibly having like a. I think like a dinosaur theme name would be fun just because like that would be in keeping with tradition but like you said I think it's better for it to stand on its own Uh, So I have a few suggestions here because I think so what I have here is basically that the best choices are either something geographically related or just something entirely from whole cloth like the Raptors were at the time. Um, It's really it's a darn shame that the name Lakers is directly associated with the Los Angeles NBA franchise because I actually think that Lakers is is like a good name and it would be fun to have. The Toronto Lakers because they're on the lake.
0: Yeah, that would be great, especially because there are no lakes in Los Angeles. Precisely, stupid it's like, that they kept the name. It's right up there with the Memphis Grizzlies, or the worst of all, the Utah Jazz. Like you play in the <laughs> least exciting city, the unjazziest city for sure. I, I remember back when the uh, Charlotte was still the Bobcats, I was always advocating for a three-team name trade, where the horn, the New Orleans Hornets mm-hmm. would. Uh, send their name to Charlotte, so you'd get the Charlotte Hornets back. The Bobcats would send their name to Utah, so you'd get the Utah Bobcats, and the Utah Jazz would send their name to New Orleans, which is obviously where the team called the Jazz should be, New Orleans. Yeah. All three. Those were three badly named teams, and you would have turned them into three of the most appropriately named teams in the league. I'm still pissed that it didn't happen.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it will happen just because I, I think the Utah Jazz name is pretty established at this point, but I would love to see the New Orleans Jazz make a comeback.
0: Yeah, um, and the Utah bobcats is a good one. Like, uh, yeah. I feel like there are bobcats in Utah. Sure,
1: yeah, for sure. Uh, so a few of my suggestions here. I, I was sort of my mind went to, the the lakefront, the harbor, the you know Toronto Bay, that sort of thing. Uh, so one one name I came up with that I think you'll enjoy is uh, to do with the Toronto port. Why not the Toronto porters? I'm in. <laughs> I
0: would wear the jersey every day. Uh, yeah toronto porters
1: book it you're all in um another one i like this is actually this is a name that gets you has been used for a few teams uh there's a australian nbl team by this name uh, a new zealand team uh on that accent you liked it
0: yeah yeah that was really good i felt like i was watching flight of the concords sure
1: uh, but the Toronto breakers, because I just stumbled across the term like breakwater, as it's I guess it's just like a thing you put in the water that breaks the water. But the I like I like the breakers. It's kind of it's a unique name for sure. In uh, American sports, it's uh, you know, it has connotations of like power and you're smashing stuff, but it's also kind of related to the city. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I like that. It does certainly feel powerful. Uh, it makes me think of like an ice-breaking ship as well, which mm-hmm. we sometimes see on Lake Ontario when it freezes over. So that's a good one. Uh, speaking of freezing over, this one didn't work quite as well because the WNBA is a summer league, but one that occurred to me was the Toronto Freeze. Mm. I think that sounds kind of cool. It fits in with the not an S name. I think you could get some really cool like white and light blue sort of winter-colored jerseys. Mm. Uh and a sick logo with some icicles and stuff like that. So that was one thing that I thought could lead to some cool design concepts. the Toronto Freeze.
1: I like that. Uh, in keeping with the geographical theme, I have as a possibility the simply the Toronto Queens. It might be a little too basic, but uh, but you know you have the Sacramento Kings and obviously Queen Street is a major artery in Toronto. You have Queens Park, the, the seat of government. And so, uh, and so, I thought the Toronto Queens would be a fun choice.
0: That is a fun choice. I like it. Are you worried about
1: straying a little too close to naming it after a person? That is the thing, and also, you know, naming it after the the government, <laughs> ostensibly. <laughs> you know, it it is a it is a landmark uh, of the city, but you know, I, I guess like the Washington Capitals is kind of the same thing uh, to an extent. So I'm I'm not too worried about it. No, yeah, I think it still stands on its own well enough. I think anyone, you know. In my opinion, all women are queens, Uh, so it's not really about a specific person. Uh, Nice try, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to take down your names. Uh, I I had a geographical
0: one as well. Of course, uh, much of Ontario located on the geological formation known as the Canadian Shield. Ah, I thought the Toronto Shield would be a cool name.
1: That's great. Yeah. It's, uh, like you said, it's geographically related. It's interesting because, you know, obviously usually uh, a team name invokes offense in some way or attacking or you know fighting in some way yeah
0: I thought this would be a cool way to stand out. you could have a cool shield with a cool T on it for
1: the logo. <laughs> a cool shield with a cool T. Uh, well, I'm
0: not a gra- gra- graphic designer per se, but that's I can picture it in my head.
1: I can picture it as well for sure. Um, I have one more. this is in keeping with this is in keeping with the spirit of the Raptors choice so obviously, a big cause of the raptors was the film Jurassic Park was very popular at the time the velociraptors in that movie and that was a factor in the naming of the Toronto Raptors so if you're keeping with that idea that it's based on a major sort of cultural landmark film from the last you know 5 years or so or I guess only a couple of years at the time the team came to town my suggestion is the Toronto Avengers. Oh, that's that that is keeping with Toronto's basketball heritage right there, or lack I like thereof. That a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's I think it's, it's crazy actually, that
0: they didn't just name the Raptors the Huskies when the Raptors came to be.
1: Yeah, it the Huskies does make a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I
0: like the Raptors name now, but Huskies is a perfect name for a Toronto team,
1: yeah. Uh, Avengers, it might be a little too like specifically branded, but I think it actually is like a good name for a sports Yeah, it sounds cool.
0: You would want to go to battle with the Toronto Avengers.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and obviously, uh, I don't know if you know this, there's actually a movie called The Avengers. Oh, Uh,
0: that's why you mentioned Jurassic Park.
1: It came out pretty recently. It did pretty well, I think. Uh, I guess the other choice would be the Toronto Avatars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that one I don't like as much. But uh, yeah, Toronto Avengers, I'm all in. One, one more that just came yeah. to me, uh, not really, like kind of related to the lake, but I like, th- it's got a double T alliteration. I feel like you could get some nice blue uniforms. Most of Toronto teams have blue uniforms. Mm-hmm. The Toronto Tide ah. You could get like a wave break. I'm, I'm trying to think of logos when I think yeah. of team names. You could get like a cool wave cresting over the letter T. Uh, that would be a good one.
1: Sure, <laughs> a big. Your most of your ideas are a cool thing and a big T. Well, hey, how else do you design a logo? Uh, and speaking of, you a, could have two
0: T's because it's Toronto Tide. T
1: tea T's, uh, yeah. So that will. Speaking of the T, that is, we have given you the T yeah. on sports this week. Toronto Freeze, get sure. it going. I I I think we did a really solid job, and I think yeah, I like should, ours. They should listen to some of our suggestions. Um, but, yes, hopefully we will be able to talk about this in earnest soon. Hopefully we see a WNBA franchise in Toronto very soon. But that is going to do it for today's episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling. We did it again. Um,
0: we went too long? Is that what you mean by doing <laughs> it again?
1: <laughs> no, come on. We're, we're, right, we're right in the sweet spot. 70 minutes. We're good. Uh, plus, you know, we'll cut out half of what you said, and then we'll get oh, down to a reasonable length. Uh, but, of course – you can follow us on Twitter at HFLC Podcast. And speaking of which, Griffin, we need to do a little bit of housekeeping that we forgot to do earlier uh, in the show. Let me just pull this up here. Oh, no. HFLC Podcast on Twitter. And I'm scrolling down here to a poll that was recently posted questioning whether candy or chocolate was the superior choice. And it looks like by a Absolute blowout. I I challenge the absolute <laughs> blowout. A seventy percent to thirty percent margin. Chocolate has taken the victory. Uh, you know, if you remove what I assume were our respective votes for uh for candy and chocolate respectively, it becomes a an an eighty, twenty? I don't know. I can't do math. But a resounding win for chocolate. Shout out to the chocolate heads. You,
0: I will give you the win on this one. Our 10 votes, 7 went to chocolate. So, Chris, an HFLC point to you. If you want to participate in the polls, we'll, we'll think of mm-hmm. one to throw up from today. Uh, maybe we'll get you to choose your favorite name that we yeah. came up with. That's so, good yeah. Yeah. Please follow us at HFLC Podcast. There's a lot of fun content on there. We love getting to know you guys, interacting with you. Uh, so yeah, and also you can find me on Twitter personally at Griffin Porter ninety seven. Twitter, give me at Griffin Porter, uh, at G R I F F I N P O R T E R nine seven.
1: Yes, and you can find me at C House and Jan, which is just the word Chow like food, the word Sun like somebody's male heir. And Jan, <laughs> J-A-N. Uh, that's a good one. I'm going to keep that. And you know what? Since we're talking about uh, social media interaction, I just want to give a shout out to, I believe your, uh, a friend of yours, Griffin, Victoria Hako.
0: Yes, Victoria is a friend of mine from university. Probably our biggest fan, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I really just need to shout her out. She has been such an active participant with us on social media. We love her tweets about the show. Uh, and we love hearing from her. And so, if you want to shout out on the yeah. show, tweet us, tweet us, vote in the polls, uh, get involved. But that is going to do it for today's episode of Half Floor, Low Ceiling. Uh, so we will see you next time. Shout out Vicky oh, H. H. And keep your floors high and your ceilings low. Oh, That's you got yeah. We say. <laughs> Can you
0: imagine if we didn't end the episode with that? I will not be so pissed. Victoria would freak out. <laughs> All right.